Between the Lines, I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. We've got a sobering passage that we're going to read today. And actually, you read like uh, most of it. Nine tenths yeah, of yesterday, so I'll I'm get sorry. started. Yeah, I was I was a little offended. <laughs> um, but this this actually is a very sobering passage. This is the crucifixion of Jesus. This is what we call Good Friday. It would have taken place on Good Friday. I know there's arguing about, well, was it Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday? And I'm a, I'm a Friday believer. I don't really think the, the, the day matters. What matters to me is that Jesus, what Jesus went through on our behalf. And so, but it's called Good Friday. And, and that's one of the most common questions I get is why do we call it good when it's such a terrible thing that happened? Well, because apart from that, I would be condemned and on my way to hell there would be no hope of salvation. It's what Jesus did on this day. So as horrible as what he went through, it's what it took for us to be saved. That's what provided our forgiveness. Yeah. All right, so verse 24. Um, verse 23, it says, they, this is where we ended up. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. But verse 24, then they nailed him to the cross. They gambled for his clothes, throwing dice to decide who would get them. He, they nailed him to the cross. It's just like so quickly it says this, but the process of putting a putting these rusty Roman spikes through the hands and the feet of a human being, mm-hmm. and lifting him up. I think of lifting up that cross, dropping him. Now, it, it, different crosses were done differently. Some of them were one piece where they would lift the cross up and drop it into a hole. Others where it was just the cross piece that he was nailed to, but then that had a hole in it and they would drop it through what um, amounted to a pole that had a stop on it. So they would drop him down. But either way, after he's nailed to the cross, he has dropped either into this hole or the cross piece over the pole where there's this dropping down and this wrenching of the bones, pulling them out of joint, which is what the psalmist speaks of in the messianic prophecy about Jesus's crucifixion. It's just a horrible, horrible thing. Well, it's not just that, but the... You think about his back that it's all torn up and on this rough hewn cross mm. uh, being dropped down there. You, you imagine what that does to the flesh in the back against the, the hard wood. And the way a crucifixion victim dies is that they're gasping for breath. They have to lift themselves up against the nail in their foot to get breath because of the way their arms are stretched out. And each time they would have to lift themselves up, the, the searing pain going through the raw nerves in their back that is up against that rough-hewn cross piece. I mean, it's just, just, just horrible to think about. And while he is going through this terrible, awful time, they're gambling for his clothes, throwing dice to decide who would get them. Verse 25, it was nine o'clock in the morning when the crucifixion took place. And he had been up all night. A signboard was fastened to the cross above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, the king of the Jews. Two criminals were crucified with him, their crosses on either side of his. And the people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You can destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, can you? Not knowing that the temple was being destroyed in that moment. He was speaking of the temple of his body and it was being destroyed and he would rise again in three days. Verse 30, well then, Save yourself and come down from the cross. Well, he could have, but he was there to save them. Verse 31, then the leading priests and teachers of the religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. 
Even the two criminals who were being crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock for three hours. Then at that time, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I really believe it. something that took place, and I know the theologians debate this even today as to what this is all about, but what Jesus is, is crying out this being forsaken by the Father, that in order for our salvation, the condemnation that would have needed to have taken place is the separation from the Father, that there was in some way, in a way that I don't think we can understand, a break in the Trinity, God absorbing our condemnation in that moment. Well, in many ways, this is the worst part of the crucifixion. You know, we, we focus on physical because we can feel that, but this right here mm. would have been the worst for him to be the shield of God's wrath, that God pours his wrath out on Jesus instead of us would have been the most the absolute worst. painful. In verse 35, some of the bystanders misunderstood the thought that he was calling for Elijah because he said, Eli, Eli, which is my God, my God. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a stick so he could drink. I mean, just a little bit of mercy there. Leave him alone, someone else said. Let's see whether Elijah will come and take him down, he said. And then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I mean, beautiful picture here because that curtain in the temple which separated the holy place from the place where other people were able to go, um, that when that, when that it was, it, what it did is it broke off the access that was, that was cutting off the access between the people and the presence of God. That curtain was then torn, opening up people's access to God because of Jesus' death on the cross. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died, he exclaimed, truly, this was the son of God. He was a man who had seen probably hundreds of crucifixions, but yeah, witnessing the crucifixion the of Jesus changed his life. Yeah. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph and Salome, which again tells me this really happened because you know if you're gonna make up this story, I think you'd be a little more creative than to just have a bunch of Marys. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Then they and many other women had come with him to Jerusalem. This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath, as evening approached. An honored member of the high council, Joseph from Arimathea, who was waiting for the kingdom of God to come, gathered his courage and went to Pilate to ask for Jesus' body. I mean, it did take courage because... First of all, he was betraying his own. I mean, he was a Pharisee, a member of the council, the people that crucified Jesus. And, and for him to do this, that was, it was, that was in a sense going up against their wishes. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman military officer in charge and asked him. The officer confirmed the fact and Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth, spending his own money, which would have been expensive, and taking Jesus' body down from the cross, he wrapped it in the cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Now, Mark doesn't say here, Luke does, that this tomb was actually Joseph's tomb. It was his family tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus' body was laid. 
Now, you think about the atmosphere that we have in this chapter here. It's, uh, it's pretty dark. And tomorrow, we're going to see the atmosphere. It changes radically. And I'm excited when we get to that in tomorrow's reading. Yeah, Proverbs 2 is the corresponding proverb for today. And verse 6 is the verse we want to highlight. It says, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You know, we live in a day and age where, uh, you know, lots of leadership talks, lots of self-help books, and I'm not down on all of that Mm because there's ways to grow and get better. They can be very, very helpful. But the fact of the matter is that as believers, we rely on the Lord. We We rely on Scripture for wisdom and for understanding. If you're going to pursue wisdom, you've got to pursue the God who gives it. That's right. Well, make it a good day, and we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.